Well, uh, you, you may have noticed uh, we, we had a weird parking situation this morning with a huge bus right in front of the building and the word hope plastered on the side. I'm looking forward to, to uh, inviting my friend Jeanette in a moment. We're going we're gonna to hear about their organization. But with that word hope, I want to I ask the question, like, what do we talk about when we talk about hope? Because hope is one of these words that, like, if you're like me, you watch shows like, uh, uh, like Shawshank Redemption where they're talking and, you know, they have a life sentence. Hope is the most dangerous thing. You don't want hope, they would say. And yet when we talk about hope, sometimes we say things like, well, I hope it works out, or I hope, you know, I hope I win the lottery, right? I hope, I hope these things that may never happen. And so when the Bible talks about hope, it seems to be a more sure and firm thing. But when we talk about hope, it's either uh, from a worldly sense, it's either something to avoid because it brings false hope, or it's something that is just wishful thinking. Um, if you guys think about it, uh, I would invite you to be praying for a family uh, of a funeral that I did uh, yesterday. They, they, you may remember uh, the Canales family, uh, they were here, and uh, Mr. Servando, he went to be with the Lord, and and uh, we we had that funeral uh, yesterday, and as I was meeting with the family this week, we were talking about that word, and I said something, I said, well, our hope is, you know, we'll see him again, our hope is, and and uh, Miss Canales, she says, well, no, I don't I don't just wish, I know, she's like, she's like, no, I know, and I was like, yes, you're 100%, because because this is the kind of hope that is in Scripture, this kind of hope that, that we talk about when Scripture talks about hope is a hope that is a, a sure foundation, not wishful thinking or a false hope. And so uh, I wanted to, to take a few minutes and just kind of get our, our feet wet with this idea and concept of hope by looking in Romans 5. And so if you have your Bible, um, we'll spend about, you know, about five or 10 minutes looking at Romans 5 uh, in this concept of hope. Where, where do we plant our hope? Uh, you may know, uh, just just to, for context, I, I like to talk about who the author is. The person who wrote the book of Romans, his name was Paul. Paul wrote a good portion of the New Testament. Romans is his most elaborate and concise, ex, not concise, that means small, uh, what, e- elaborate uh, explanation of the gospel. What he wanted to do with the book of Romans, from the beginning of it to the end of it, is he's speaking to the Roman people, the people who live in Rome, Greek thinkers, Western thinkers like you and I, uh, and he, he, he wants to explain to them, a group of people who have no foundation in the Old Testament necessarily, doesn't know anything about the law or who Yahweh is, and he wants them to know from beginning to end what you can have hope in, what the gospel is. And so the book of Romans is this very deliberate, step-by-step, logical progression of arguments that leads to hope. It's a very dense book, but if you're a nerd like me, uh, enjoy it. Like Just get into it. Get like three verses in and chew for a couple of hours, because that's how Romans flows. Romans five uh, picks up after, you know, one, two, three, and four, and what he's done in those first, thank you, thank you, Uh, what he's done in those first few passages is that he's explained, like, what the consequences of sin is, he's explained what sin is to begin with, that that the law has, the law of God has revealed to us that we have in us a nature that is sinful, and that sinfulness isn't just something we can ignore, because sinfulness, sin, causes death, and so he's kind of worked his way through that, and then the very chapter before this, he brings up Abraham, someone who was alive, you know, 2,000 years before this moment. Uh, and he says, Abraham was justified by faith. He wasn't a perfect man. He wasn't a sinless man. But how did he have a right relationship with God? And he says, because he had faith in that this God, though he wasn't perfect, his God was perfect. He had faith in this God. And so he, all of this is to say, the first word in chapter 5 is therefore. Because of all those things that Paul has already said. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. 
You know, one, one of the first things that we need to come to grips with is that this idea of having peace with God isn't a feeling that we have. That's not the kind of, having, having peace in your marriage can sometimes be a feeling, but this piece, specifically this piece, is a, a moment of not in war. We're no longer, for those of us who are in Christ, we're no longer struggling and striving to prove ourselves to God or to overcome our own weaknesses because our faith is squarely set on that foundation Christ. We trust him and now we go to him in peace. We're no longer in wartime with God. We're in peacetime with God and we've been justified through our faith in Jesus Christ. Verse two, through him, through Christ, we have also obtained access, listen to this, we have access to our God by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have access to, to God because the, Jesus has made a way that you can go boldly, like we just did, go boldly to the throne room of God and you can talk to him. You can lay down your cares. You can tell him what's, what's broken. And, and look at that, that verb. Uh, I just, I just this popped in as I was saying it just now is that we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we what? In which we stand. There's that word again, Jeanette, we talked about just a few days ago that, that we, we have this power not to, not to go and fight all the battles that God is supposed to fight to go win all the wars. The battle is his. We just get to stand back up when the world's knocked us down. When circumstances hit us and they cripple us and our knees are weak and we don't think that we can stand back up. The strength of Jesus says, because we have good uh, access to him, we can just stand and be with him. Verse three, not only that, not only do we get to stand, what more could we have, Paul? We get this hope. He says we get to, re, uh, we get to have hope in the glory of God that, that he, he is going to accomplish things that he has. But not only that, and this is where things get confusing. This is where most Americans don't have the theology ready to understand this next sentence. And Paul is talking to a group of people who don't have the capability to understand what he's about to say, but he's going to unpack it. He says, not only that, but we rejoice. Yes, we rejoice, don't we? We, we celebrate, don't we? Didn't we just celebrate just a moment? Yes, we have so much to celebrate. But what, do we, what, do we, what does Paul say? Is that we celebrate in what? In our suffering. Oh my gosh. Now, who here bought the lie? Someone in church, I don't know who started it. Maybe it's never actually been said in church, but I bought this and I know many people have that, that my life was a mess. That's why I need Jesus. And so now that I confess Jesus, all of the messes go away and I have no more suffering anymore, right? And I'm just, I'm gonna walk and things are gonna be okay. And who here can be honest and say, I've been following the Lord Jesus long enough to know there is suffering in this walk. There is something that, it gets heavy, it gets hard. If this, listen, listen to me, if this verse, isn't like registering to you as something like, oh, I know a season and that I can apply that to, praise God, that, that your life, your life has, has been that way. But Paul didn't write these verses for when life is making sense. You see, we, we think of hope as like when things are going great, I have hope. But when I don't have hope, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm down. Why would Paul talk about hope? Why would Paul talk about rejoicing and suffering? It's for those seasons that we're suffering. Now we can get back on the foundation. We can put our feet back down and that the circumstances that are causing us to suffer, they're not telling us the truth about who God is. It's, it's our circumstances. And we need to stop being readers of our circumstances and trying to, trying to figure out what, what our life means based on our circumstances. We should always look back to the cross. And so he says, because of this faith, because we have peace with our God, we can rejoice and have hope in the glory of God. But not only that, but we can rejoice in our sufferings. Why, Paul? Why is that true? Knowing that our suffering produces endurance. Here, here's the thing about suffering is that those, those of us who we know that we look up to, those Christians who have gone through seasons of suffering, and you ask them how you're doing, he's like, well, 
It's been hard, but God is still good. You look at them and you think to yourself, how in the world did they get that way? Well, they weren't born that way. They suffered and they grew in their suffering with endurance. Endurance is the ability to withstand. Endurance is the ability to go one more step. Our, our brother, uh, Wasey, who's usually right here, he is probably right now, is this true? Like right now, as we speak, he is running a marathon. How far is it, do you know? Well, Kendall's almost done. Oh, of course, Kendall's almost done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, good. Well, Wasey and Kendall. I, I didn't realize Kendall was in the same one. They're in a marathon right now, and they are, they're having to go one more mile. And then after they do that, one more mile. How do, you, how do you do that? How do you train yourself to just go one more? If I went out there, I made this joke one time, what would happen if Jesse tried to run a marathon? Well, if I tried tomorrow, I would die, just like the first guy who ran a marathon. Why? Because I haven't, gone, I haven't done the suffering that needs to happen in order to go one more step. Is it possible that you're suffering, the season that you're in isn't just a random circumstance of problems, but it is an opportunity for the Lord to grow your endurance, to know that he is good and to still have hope and to prove to others around you that the foundation is a sure-footed foundation, this name of Jesus. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And what do we get as a result of endurance? Verse four, and endurance produces character. When we look to those brothers and sisters who have done this for a while, they have amazing character and we want that character, but we don't always want the suffering necessary to get there. We want to avoid the suffering. The American way of following Jesus is I'm going to avoid all the uncomfortable things of this world. And Paul is saying it is only through those uncomfortable things that you get the endurance. And the endurance, when you let it have its way, builds into you character that provides for others a security and an opportunity, an example of how to uh, uh, move forward. And character, what does character produce? Character is where hope comes from. We have hope because we have examples of brothers and sisters who have followed Jesus and they've gone through harder stuff than Jesse's gone through and yet they still rejoice in the Lord. And so whenever someone cuts me off at the red light and I have to put my truck in the shop or something so much smaller than the thing they went through, I have examples of that character and that builds in me a, a hope, not a wishful thinking, not a, not, a, not a false hope that brings shame or is going to let me down, but a real hope. And hope, he says, verse five, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you've ever, ever in your life experienced a moment where the Lord was there, present, it was palpable, the Holy Spirit was poured into your life, remember those moments as examples that God is there. And when the suffering comes and you can't hear the Lord, it's, all the noise around you is so loud, remind yourself that your hope isn't in those circumstances. Verse six, for while we were still weak, anybody else, you have, like, if you're honest, like, you're, we're, we're weak. We, we have moments where, though I want to have it all put together for my spouse, and I want to show my kids that I'm strong, and I want, I want if, if I had to be honest, pre-following Jesus, pre-Christian uh, Jesse, was just so weak and was scared that the world would notice that I'm weak. All of my behaviors were opportunities and, and attempts to prove to all of you that I'm strong. But when I looked in the mirror and I was alone with my God, I was weak and I was scared that he would be ashamed of me. And here's what Paul says, that while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The beauty of this gospel, this message of hope, is that Jesus isn't really waiting for you to get your act together before he saves you. 
He doesn't need you to have your life put together. In fact, if you had the ability to put your life together without Jesus, Jesus probably would have avoided the cross. Uh, but we, we can't put our life together. And while we were weak, Christ died for the ungodly. And Paul kind of, he, he, he waxes poetically for, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I love you. I, I will die for my wife. I'll die for my kids. But if I just met you on the street, I might, you know, try to avoid the bullet. I don't know. Like I, I'm just not in a hurry to go die for folks. Okay. If I had to be honest with you. Uh, and he says, he says, but though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God does this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to have your act together. That's not what your hope, your hope isn't in how well behaved you are or how impressed your wife or your kids are in you or in how strong or weak you feel. Your hope isn't even in your circumstances. Your hope is in this, that Jesus didn't wait for you to get your act together and he still willingly went to the cross so that you may be saved and you can have peace with your God. You can hold your head up and you can have access to the throne room and you get to communicate with the creator of the universe through Christ. And we have that hope. And so uh, I, hope, I, hope that, I, hope, I hope that that uh, message uh, lands with someone. Now that we have our square footing on hope, I want to invite uh, my friend, uh, Ms. Jeanette Harvey, to come tell us about the, the Hope Clinic. Please give her, give her a round of applause, please. Come on. We're, we're bringing uh, a chair here. Here they are right here. Yeah. You, well, you could, but uh, we, we're not that kind of people. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, either one. This is my good side right here. Do you have a good sign? <laughs> All right. So, so uh, many of you, I saw in the in the hallway that many of you knew uh, Jeanette. You were hugging and saying hi. And so, this may be a recap for most people. But Jeanette, I know that you are uh, director, executive director. Is that the right title of of the of the Hope Clinic? And I was wondering if you could just uh, help us understand what is the work uh, that you do there, and how long have you been doing it? Uh, well. I am the executive director now for five years, uh, but I've been with them about 13 years. And uh, we are a pro-life, uh, faith-based um, pregnancy center that does a whole lot more than that. Um, our basic mission statement is to, I feel like I'm leaving people out. Can I move back a little bit? You can, yeah, 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 absolutely. Sorry, I'm an eye contact. So you can walk around the room if you want. <laughs> you told me I couldn't run, though. You can, well, oh, no, you told me I could run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyway, we... Um, our mission is to introduce as many people as we possibly can to the kingdom of God, because we know that our name is hope, but the only hope we can truly give them is the hope that they can find in Jesus. So we actually serve men and women. Um, we saw over 3,000 clients last year. I know that's mind-blowing that 3,000 people would need our services, but there's way more than that that need Jesus in this area. So... Um, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, well, great. And, and you're right. There's way more people that need Jesus. But 3,000, you said that you served yes. just this last year. Yes. And so, so as a church, we, we are planted in Mid-County. This is where it kind of grows. We have some people that come uh, from, you know, Port Natchez, Lumberton, sometimes Beaumont, but, but planted in Mid-County. How does Hope Clinic serve uh, kind of this immediate community? Um, what, what have you seen in this area? Well, the obvious answer is that we have a mobile unit that parks every Monday in Port Arthur. 
uh, I will tell you, when we first brought our small mobile unit out, we tried to find a location in Port Natchez and Groves and Nederland and Port Arthur. But the people in Port Natchez, Groves, and Nederland didn't want to be seen in Port Natchez, Groves, and Nederland. So mm. they were all coming to Port Arthur. Uh, where I guess they didn't know people. So we started just parking there every Monday. It's our busiest location, uh, so much so that we may even actually build a brick and mortar in Port Arthur um, because we're seeing that many people. But before that, um, I had a pastor in in the Mid-County area tell me that when we started serving his community, he would support us. And I thought, where do you think these people are going? Because they're driving all the way to Houston for an abortion. They're surely going to come to at least Beaumont for um, what we have to offer, and that's life. So mm. we serve uh, we serve all four counties. So we serve Hardin, Jefferson, Orange, and Chambers. Thank you. So that tells you that's we're in your community sure. for sure. Now so, you move so, back. So, now so, I have to. Oh no, no, you don't. You don't. I was, I, was, I see Philip. I was trying to help. help Philip. We're going to slowly dance all the way to the guitars back back there. Uh, I can't play those. So. <laughs> neither can I. Believe me, they, they've heard me. They leave the microphone on sometimes just to make me, you know, stand out. <laughs> you know, so uh, what, one thing that you just said uh, is this idea that people from maybe our local community, mm-hmm. um, out of, I, I don't want to put words in my mouth, but maybe out of shame or fear or kind of stepping outside of the community for, for those services. Um, we, we believe, and it's in our mission statement, that, that we are here to influence our community with the grace and truth. And so I, I hear you say that, and I think, well, the, the grace should be so palpable that that, that shame wouldn't, wouldn't be there. Um, we, we, we think that the, the Lord Jesus, as an example of both grace and truth, that he would speak into our moments. Um, he, he never leaves us in our brokenness. He never says, your brokenness is okay. Let's let's kind of pretend that didn't happen. Uh, and so he's very truthful, but he's so gracious. He never he never just leaves us. And so uh, I was wondering if you could help me understand how the Hope Clinic also, and I heard it in your last answer, Hope Clinic also balances that grace and truth as you're as you're meeting with people. Uh, well, I don't think anyone really can experience grace if they're not hearing truth, because if you're telling them what they want to hear, then how are they experiencing mm-hmm. grace? Uh, we believe, and this is one reason why we don't uh, refer for birth control, is that God's way is absolutely the best way. And in that is sharing with them the biblical truth of how he would like you to live. Again, doesn't mean life's going to be perfect and easy, but it it gets a whole lot better when you have Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we share that with them. But at the same time, every single person that comes to us, what, what we like to say is one big mess, just like us. Every single person on staff is just as big of a mess. We just can control our mess a little bit better than some of the people that come to us. And so that's the first thing we embrace in them is give us all your messiness. Bring it all. Nothing. We uh, we tend to um, talk about we have a no shock face. Doesn't mean that we're inside not devastated by by something someone's mm-hmm. told us. But what they get from us is what I believe Jesus gave to every single person that came in His presence, and that's unconditional love. That doesn't mean 
acceptance of a sin or uh, not sharing the truth, but that love that no matter what they tell us, and and we have lots of people tell us, I can't believe I told you that. I can't believe, (laughs) really, because they're desperately looking for a place to unburden themselves. And the best place for them to do that is at the feet of Jesus. And that's what we offer. Now, if you're a believer and you come into the Hope Clinic, which I invite all of you to come and take a tour, it's the most amazing place. And I'm not saying that because I'm the executive director, because it belongs to him and he made it amazing. But when you walk in as a believer, you feel the Holy Spirit. I mean, people tell us that. They're like, wow, I just feel the Holy Spirit. If you're not a believer, what we hear is, I felt a lot of love. There was a lot of kindness. There was just something different. And we know that's the Holy Spirit, but they don't know that yet. Mm. And, um, and so I think that's how we express truth and grace the way Jesus would. Yeah. Hope I answered that right. I, I, I think you answered okay. it very well. Yeah. Okay. I, I love, you know, I, I think that's also true of, of many of, of our homes. And maybe, maybe you've had that interaction where someone who isn't close to the Lord or whatever, and they come in your home, it's like, I, I don't know what it is. It just feels different here. Uh, that, that, that is, that is the Holy Spirit. And that's not anything that, that we've created necessarily in ourselves, but it's just how, how that, that over, overflows. We, we announced, uh, last week and, uh, this, this idea that, that our, our goal for the year, like we were talking about what, what, direction we're going to go is uh, instead of bigger, instead of faster, instead of more, more, more flashier, shinier things, we, we feel like we're going to be a little bit slower and we want to focus on this word closer. And what we, what we mean by that is like wherever someone finds themselves, when they want to get closer to the Lord, we want to be the place that they can do that. So if they've, if they've been following the Lord for 20 years, but they're dry inside, but they want to, they want to be closer to the Lord, how do we help disciple that person? If we have someone who is just walking down the street and the Lord just leads them down or driveway and they don't even know the name Jesus or what a Bible is, but they say, I want to get closer to God. We want to be ready for them uh, and, and how we serve and, and help them get closer. And so I wonder if you could help me uh, know how, how, does, how, do you, how have you seen the, the Hope Clinic help young ladies, young men even, uh, get closer to the Lord? Well, uh, first and foremost is every single person that comes into the clinic uh, is presented the gospel. Of course, first indeed. I mean, the way we treat them, they can't help but see that that's the way they don't know that it's the Lord, but they can't help but see that that's the way the Lord would treat them. But secondly, we, we, we speak it. We explain to them why we do what we do, who Jesus is, what he did for them, what their uh, response should be. Uh, and last year, we led 70 people to the Lord, which mm-hmm. is absolutely mind-blowing to me. We've also helped people. There are a lot of people. Uh, and I know you all could testify to this, that that know the Lord, but are just making some mistakes, right? Mm. <laughs> making some bad choices and ending up needing our services. And so we've seen uh, that ability also to share with those people. It, it doesn't matter. You know, as a believer, when I sin against the Lord, that's a really heavy, heavy weight on me. And so we help those men and women who come to us who are believers but they feel like, I, I don't know if I can, if I can get stepped back into a church now after mm-hmm. this. You know, how do I go to my parents? How do I go to my uh, extended family, whoever? And we help them draw a little closer to the Lord that way. But then, of course, those that we've led to the Lord for the first time, uh, we have a, a discipleship program. It's not perfect, um, especially for us, because we have to meet them at the clinic. And sometimes it can take five or six weeks to get through one session, which should only be an hour. Um, but we spend 10 weeks with them, helping them to know what 
what the decision they made means and then plugging them into a church that they're connected to. So not making someone from Kuntz drive all the way to Groves, even though this is a great church that's not going to happen. We're going to find a church in their area or maybe a church that they were uh, second second grade VBS. They went with their grandma one time and, and that's such a fond memory for them. So then we're going to connect them by going with them to that church and helping them get plugged in. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to underline that that last bit, that, that discipleship. Uh, I, I met with with Jeanette at, at Hope Clinic uh, just just earlier this weekend as we were going through the torture. She was talking to me about this discipleship program that they do, and this is, this is a beautiful model, a model that I think that we could also copy as well in our lives. Is as they're meeting with people one on one, they're coming to to them, and they, they maybe they've led them to the to the Lord, but or uh, they were already followers of Jesus. And they're just reminded of the grace of Jesus. That their discipleship model never says, "Here's a checklist." And go over there, go to that church over there. But but their team just lives life with them. Like, I will go to church with you. You told me that that they will sit in a room when when you have poured out your heart to someone, a, a nurse in some cases, uh, and you have that connection. They're, they're ready as followers of Jesus, as missionaries, to just do life with them and partner with them. I, I think that's a beautiful uh, overlap. That you're not just you're not just checking the box. Of, I'm doing a hope clinic. You're you're pushing them to the Lord. I, th- I think the big thing is that every single person on staff, I mean, every single person, they might work three hours a week, was called to be there. No mm. one just has a job. Mm. So even though we set boundaries and we give them time off, uh, when they're there, they're all in. I mean, it's, it's about leading people to the Lord. It's about meeting people in their mess and, um, and serving the Lord and serving the, the people he sends our way. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm, I follow you on Facebook. I don't mean that creepily, but we were friends before uh, before either of us were, were in these roles. And so every now and then, I, and I, I'll see you put uh, a code fifteen ten, right? And I always have to pause and think about what the numbers are. Code fifteen ten. And every time you post it, I know what it means now. But I'll see people ask the question underneath. Hey, what is this? What is this? Are you asking for help, or you know, what, what, what do you need? Uh, could you help us understand what you mean and why we should also be excited about a code fifteen ten? Yes, and you can friend me on Facebook. Um, you might have to message me and say, hey, I saw you at Carpenter's Way. I will be your friend unless you get weird and then I'll delete you. Um, I don't post anything on Facebook other than pictures of my family and and code 1510s. That's pretty much it. But we, uh, we were leading people to the Lord. Uh, like I said, last year was 70. The year before that was like 61. And I said, you know, we're missing it. We're missing the celebration part. Uh, it's always been a huge um, proponent of the scripture that all the heaven, all the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. And I would tell people that when I was a children's minister and someone would um, give their life to the Lord, I would say, do you know that every angel in heaven is rejoicing right now? They're having a huge party up there and we need to also. And so I said, we got to come up with something. And so I started thinking about in the hospitals when they would have a code blue and, you know, code blue, everyone would run to the same room right now. I, I don't want it to be a negative thing. I want it to be a positive thing. So I said, we need a code that we can do on the phone all page to express that. And so I started thinking about scriptures. And of course, I thought of that one particular scripture, which is Luke 15.10. And so I said, I got it, code 15.10. And so the, it's the most fun thing to be there when we say code 15.10 and to hear the pockets of celebration around the building. Mm. You know, just there's a woo, 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 you know, all over the building. Uh, a quick funny story yeah. is uh, we have a volunteer, a gentleman, Gene, who works uh, on one, one day a week. 
and he concealed carries um, on his ankle. And so we were sitting in a room the first time he heard the code 1510 and he goes, what does that mean? <laughs> he was like ready to take someone out. I said, it's a good thing. Just take your hand off your weapon. Uh, but uh, it's, it's just, it's a great opportunity for us to celebrate. And so then I would, I would text the board and I would text the staff who wasn't there and realize that, hey, more people need to know about this. So I started putting it on my own Facebook page. Of course, the very first time I explained it, but now people still don't know. Uh, so I have to keep explaining it. But uh, it's fun to see people. You know, I know people all over the world from, you know, my days in college and other ministries and and seeing people in India and, and the Dominican and hmm. Peru that are sharing in that celebration of what the Lord is doing in this person's life. And what's really awesome is telling the new people, the people who have just come to the Lord, that every angel in heaven is rejoicing over that decision you just made. That's a huge impact. It is a huge impact. And, and uh, good, good for us to be reminded. I love this idea. How many of you uh, can relate to this? You're, you're working in a job and it's like the report was due yesterday and it's overdue and you've got a stack of, you know, just the weight of the job and the duties. And maybe, maybe you had a bad conversation with someone on the way into work and it's just in the middle of the day, you would hear over the loudspeaker code 1510 and you were reminded in that moment that the Lord is still at work and that he's still moving around the building, that, that though your day has heavy weight, there's reason to rejoice because God isn't forgetting his people. That is a, that's a good, good reminder. And, and man, I, I wish, I wish we had like an all page we can put on yeah. like all over mid County, you know, yes. just, here, here's what the Lord, Lord is doing. Well, they have billboards you can pay for. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll work. We'll, we'll call our people. We'll have our people call your people. I mean, feel free to share my post. I don't have a problem. Absolutely. With that. yeah. yeah, that's good. Uh, we, we, uh, as, as you saw earlier, uh, we, we just pray a lot as a church or people are, uh, we, the Lord just calls a ton of prayer warriors here. I don't know if they, they're called here or they're just, they become prayer warriors, but, but our people pray. And as, as our people think about Hope Clinic and the work that you're doing, what, what are some ways that churches or individuals can be praying for you, your team and the work that you do? Oh, great question. And I have great answer. Good. Um, we cannot do what we do if we didn't have people praying for us. Uh, I believe wholeheartedly that we are on the front lines of a spiritual battle because we are not only saving the lives of babies, but we are saving women and men and all of their extended family from the devastation of abortion. And the word tells us that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is his playing field, the, the world of abortion. And so we are also leading people to the Lord. So that really gets him in a tizzy. And he just has gone after our staff uh, in, in unimaginable ways. Um, I, I can't even, I couldn't even spend the time listing it because it would take so long. Everyone on staff. And so we have a prayer schedule. We have blocked off 15-minute increments for every hour that we're open. You go online, you pick um, a 15-minute a week. That's it, 15 minutes a week. We give you a little guideline on a specifically how to pray for our staff and you bathe our staff in prayer for that 15 minutes because what we're hoping is that every minute we're open, there is someone praying for us specifically. The other way you can pray is our prayer text ministry. You sign up via text. Um, whenever we have an abortion-minded woman 
In uh, the clinic, you will get a text that says Psalm 139, and that is basically, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what Psalm 139 is. And it's just a prompt for you to know that there's a woman that needs you pleading before heaven on behalf of her and her baby and everyone else in her life. When she chooses abortion, she is affecting her parents, her future children, uh, her siblings, her future spouses, her spouse at the time, anyone that comes in contact her with her because it is a devastation, an emotional devastation to her that changes her completely. So we know that right now our, um, our change mind rate is about 92%. So 92% of women who come to us seeking abortion change their mind and choose life. We know that's because we have a 1,000 people right now on that prayer text praying for that woman and her family. Um, it is not anything. I mean, we say all the right things. We've been trained. But that's not what does it. It is the power of prayer over that woman because we'll have women come back and tell us, I saw a woman at a grocery store and she said such and such to me. Or I went home and I had the courage to tell my teenage son and he told me it was going to be okay. Or, you know, all these different stories that honestly didn't have anything to do with us. We just uh, enlisted the people to pray. Yeah. yeah. Good. So so our people can sign up for yes, that. Yes, we have some brochures at that table. Okay. Uh, and you can pick one of those up and it tells you exactly how to sign up for all that. Good. good. And if you're not tech savvy, you can ask Lauren or Tammy and they'll hook you up right there. Right, on the spot. On the spot, good, right? Good, good. Customer service. Tammy's going, you, you, you have a tech to team. If you have a yeah, virus on your computer, bring it to Lauren. She'll, she'll look squad. at it. So I saw uh, in uh, the booth that she's mentioning is in our cafe, and there's also the bus that's outside, and our people can go and yes, look, look at the bus. Yes, we'd love for you to come and yeah, tour the so, bus. So be sure you look at that. But I noticed that you had just a whole table full of bottles. Yes. I was wondering if you can tell us uh, what, the, what the bottle campaign is. Uh, well, it takes a lot of money to do what we do. Um, a lot of money. <laughs> and it all goes into programming. Let me say that first, that very little of it goes into overhead because all of our staff is trained to meet one-on-one with our clients. Uh, but one of our ba- one of our fundraisers is the baby bottle campaign. So you grab a bottle, you keep it for a month, you fill it up with change and you bring it back and we process it. I'll give you a little hint. Dollar bills are lighter than coins. So it's a lot easier to carry that That's around. Yeah. Are, are, and, are $20 bills lighter than $1 bills? Well, they're the same, but yeah. but they're better. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, checks. You just write one check with a lot of numbers and put it in there, and you're done. You could turn it in today if you, if you write the right check. And so uh, I say that. I, I make light. But um, we know that uh, the Lord, it's all his. It is all his. You might think it's in your pocket, but it belongs to him. And what we're asking you to do is to put it someplace where he's already doing a really great work. Um, There's a lot of great organizations out there. And if you're already supporting them, and of course, tithing to your church, we're not trying to take that money. But I believe there's a little bit of extra disposable income that he might lead you to, to turn into our way. The other thing you can use that bottle for is a testimony. You can put that bottle on your desk at work. People are going to ask you why you got a baby bottle on your desk. And you can not only tell them about the work that the Hope Clinic does, but you can tell them about the work that the Lord does in your life because everything we do is based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. um, so if you have a business, we actually have bigger bottles, not with us today, but talk to us. And uh, Papa John's, before she mm-hmm. sold it, um, Judy Perkins used to have a baby bottle at every Papa John's. I think she might have required her drivers to tip in it, but I wouldn't say that. 
whatever works, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So what, what I want to do as, as a church is uh, if, if you feel led, you want to grab a baby, baby bottle. So I want to set kind of a, a, a timeline and then we'll just see how much we can collect. I want, I want like hundreds of pounds of pocket change in these bottles and we'll, we'll deliver. So maybe, uh, maybe four weeks, we'll do a month uh, and, and we'll celebrate as a church as we, as we bring that uh, to you. Uh, also, if you have uh, children and they want to contribute, they want to be a part of something, it's really easy for them to whatever little change is left after lunch or they pick up, you know, they go fishing through your, you can have clean couches this week. They can get all the pocket change out of your couches and they're at, trying to fill up their bottle as, as well. You can make it a healthy competition. <laughs> is there like, any other kind of competition? Uh, there is okay. a healthy competition, <laughs> but uh, the, each kid gets their own bottle and I mean, they start hitting people up oh, when it's sure. a competition, you know, for pizza or something. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So uh, I, I am. A, I, I told you earlier this week. I'm a recovering social worker, and so there's so much of of my time in in social work, adoption, foster care, and working that that there would be moments where it was it was a hard season, and I would look in the mirror and I would just I would be reminded of a story. Maybe it was a kid that I served or a family that I served. And I, I know any any frontline job like this is going to have these hard moments. As, as we close, so I'm wondering if you have a story that uh, maybe and I understand kind don't don't betray that. But is there what, what keeps you going? What what story keeps you going? Uh, you got an hour because I could tell you story after story. But the the most recent one was a woman who came to us, abortion minded, and she chose to keep her baby, and the baby died after the baby was born, which was heart wrenching. That was a really hard time for, of course, for her, but even us as a staff. And she came back to us um, pregnant again, and that was just as difficult. And uh, she said, I just don't know how I'm going to do it. And as we do with a lot of our clients, uh, we walk alongside of them and we say, what do you need? What do you need to make you feel like you can do this? And she shared that she just needed some beds for her kids. We can make that happen. So we reached out to uh, some of our donors and we got a really great uh, bunk bed set. And we went to deliver it to her home and when her boys came out with the beds that they had been sleeping on, they were cots like you get at a daycare center. Those, you know, nothing to them. Not even this, not even the padded cots. It was just the cots. And uh, they were taking them to the trash. That's how beat up they were. And she said to me, I don't want you to think we don't appreciate what we have because we're throwing these out. I said, uh, I would have thrown them out. I can't even believe your kids were sleeping on this. When I asked one of the boys if he got to sleep in that in the new bed, he said, I sure hope so. I mean, wow, right? The best part of the story was, as I was leaving, I asked if I could pray with her. She grabbed onto me the way a toddler grabs onto their mom. Hmm. You know, just both hands all the way around me, just desperate for me to give her whatever it is she needed. And what she needed was Jesus. That is absolutely what she needed. And I remember praying that Jesus would just make himself known in her life, that she could grab onto him the way she was grabbing onto me. And I know you think, well, that's not a really great success story, is it? But that's the kind of stuff we deal with every day, is giving them just a little more hope to get through to the next step. Uh, and that next step for her is possibly having another baby. Um, we, we, do, we do talk about God's plan for that. We share abstinence um, a lot with them. It's not always hard, and it's not always their choice, whether it's not necessarily a physical assault, but an emotional and a mental assault mm. 
that gets them to that place. So. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I know uh, you, you will have many questions, and so the team will be available at the bus and in the booth, but uh, we want to pray. Uh, we want to pray for, for your ministry. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Show her some appreciation. Thank, thank, you. thank you for sharing. Let me, let me pray. Uh, Father, this morning, Lord, I thank you for uh, my friend Jeanette. I thank you for the Hope Clinic. I thank you for, for hope, Lord. Um, we, we need a sure and firm foundation and wishful, hopeful thinking isn't what we mean, Lord. May, may we find hope in the name of Jesus. May we be reminded, those of us in this room, that our hope is in the name of Jesus, the work of Jesus. May, may the young women and the young men who go to Jeanette and go to the Hope Clinic, uh, may they learn, even for the first time, that real hope is in the name of Jesus, um, that our circumstances do not determine our, our value and our worth, but, but you do, and you call us uh, forward and that in your name we can be your sons and your daughters. May we be people who see and celebrate hope, um, and may we, may we continue to, to proclaim the name of Jesus by which uh, all people can be healed and saved. We love you and pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.